you have your Bibles, uh, we will get into, we're going to look at Luke 4 a little bit, and then Genesis 3 is where we'll be heading eventually here as we go into, uh, I think this is number 7, is that what it says in your, probably should know that since I'm the one that did the sermons, but yeah, 7, um, uh, on heaven, uh, uh, obviously a real fun topic, I, I've had fun with it, I hope you're having fun with it. Um, we're to the point uh, that when we're looking at uh, what we call the final heaven. Uh, God promises to make us new. That's part of what we uh, proclaim at the grave. Uh, resurrected bodies, we'll, we'll, we're going to hit that uh, probably after Christmas. Uh, but he also promises to make the earth new. Um, and we see this uh, in Isaiah, we see it in Second Peter. You know, I Isaiah says that for as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. So new heaven, new earth, we get this both in Isaiah 65 and 66. But even in Peter's second letter, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. So this is going to be better than Eden. We talked about that's how we started. You know, Eden is a time of innocence for humanity. After the fall, it's fallenness. Through Christ, it's redeemed, and then eventually it'll be glorified, which none of us have yet. But this is the plan, it says in Ephesians 1. At the right time, he will turn everything uh, together under the authority of Christ. He brings everything under Christ. That's everything in heaven and on earth. It, this is what the plan is coming. And so he's not going to start over completely. He redeems and renews. We talked about that last week. You, when you die, or the loved one that has died that you know is still the same loved one, and God still knows that. And when you see him again, it'll be the same, same loved one, and you'll be the same person. There's continuity of personality in who we are, and there's continuity with the earth. Uh, in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The word and all its people belong. It's, it's his. He didn't give up on it and said, well, I'm 0-1, you know. Satan has won. No, he's, he's won nothing at this point. Um, and you see this even in, in, the, in the narrative of nativity. Um, you get Anna, that prophetess. Uh, she didn't depart from the temple. She's worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. That's kind of interesting, the redemption of Jerusalem. Not the street cleaners or anything. I mean, this is redemption. Um, Jerusalem, and if you go to, and we will do that, you go to Revelation 21, you've got this new Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, perfect Jerusalem coming down. It's probably somewhat metaphoric, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. You know, it's a, it's a heavenly city, but if, if you guys like to live in the country, that, I think you'll have that too. Uh, and if you like to live in the city, I think you can live in the city. And it's a cube, which is a math. I just don't want to be on the bottom of that cube. It's a big cube. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that too. But, but it's the idea that the earth is the Lord's, and he's not giving up on it. Even when he, we talked about that at, at the Bible study this morning, we're talking about Noah and the flood. He didn't destroy the whole earth. He just wipes out the people except for eight uh, because they were wicked. So Jesus even talks about this, and I just thought about that, the, the Mark version, and I guess I think it's in Matthew and Luke also, but w when we do the, the Lord's Supper, you know, take this, this is, my, this, this is my body, this cup of the new covenant. I know in Mark he says, this is the cup, this, this signifies 
my blood, the cup of the new covenant. I will not eat with you of the fruit of the vine until the newness comes in the new kingdom. So he even talks about it there. It's in there, and we miss it. And I'm not sure why, but you see this here also in, in 19. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne. You who have been my followers were also set on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It's just in there all the time, and we miss it. And I'm not sure why we miss it, but that's why you systematize and do sermons this way. I like to do sermons. We'll do that. We've gone through Matthew. We've gone through all kinds of different texts. We went through 1 John. But sometimes it's good to just let's look at all the texts that talk about heaven. I mean, 22 weeks, I'm, we're not even touching this stuff. Uh, but the, it's a new Genesis. That's what that word means. You know, you got the original Genesis, you're going to have a new Genesis, a new world. It's going to be made new. And you see this, and if you like these, it's really cool. And if you don't, you get annoyed by people who talk about them all the time. But the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, I mean, uh, I'm not going to have you raise your hands if you like them, because if you don't like them, then <laughs> Sorry. And the books are really good. The movies, actually, I thought were pretty good, too. Um, but uh, Thorin, who's the, the king of the dwarves there, he, in, in The Hobbit, he ha Toykin has him. It's such a, a good text. It, just, it talks about, and, and Toykin was a Christian, and there's a lot of Christian themes in these um, about redemption and sin. And you know, the ring itself is the epitome of sin. And you've got you to gotta get rid of this, you know. Uh, but in The Hobbit, he talks about he's, he's getting ready to die, and he talks about that eventually that all things will be made new in the new earth, in the new middle earth is what he says, and, and goes on. And he has this vision and talks about that this is going to be so much better, and so he's not afraid to die. And I think that's part of all of this, isn't it? Um, I've said that before. I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want it to hurt. Um, I think that's kind of the, I guess to, the, the technical term would be general wussiness. <laughs> you just don't want to hurt, you know. And, and it's tough when you see people go through that, you know. And, and, and so that's that. But again, you know, if, in, in this story, authority is just, he's getting, he got killed in the battle. He's dying. Um, so I'm sure it didn't feel good. But, but the idea of he's not worried about where, he, where he's going in this. But we shouldn't either. Um, and again, we've talked about, we can say, well, I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be great. And I think that's fine. If that's enough for you, that, but there's so much in here, so much hope, so much uh, detail that we see over and over again. It, it's full of this theology about the new heaven. You see this in Acts 3, Peter's preaching. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. What you see from from Acts 1 to Acts 3, is Peter gets it finally. Remember in Acts 1? Is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's almost like that cross was really cool, especially the resurrection part. And you're here. But the Romans are still here. And they are really annoying. So is it now that you're going to do this? And Jesus tells him it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. They didn't get it. We, we read the Old Testament, and now we can get it because the New Testament helps us. But back then, it was very hard to 
realize that Isaiah 53 that talks about a suffering servant was going to be a long, long time before Isaiah 66 and 65 and the new heaven and the new earth. They thought that was all going to happen at the same time. And we'll, but now we know that's not true. And Peter finally gets it. I think he finally understands when he preaches the cross was what this, he came the first time for grace to bring the gospel to people. And he's going to remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. And then everything's going to get taken care of. He finally gets the double coming. And it's, it's kind of cloaked in the Old Testament. It's not completely, but a little bit. But the Spirit through in uh, Peter, they, they figure this out. We get this over and over again, the second coming theology. In Revelation 21, that's when it happens. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And guess what? You can read it. Isn't that cool? I, I've heard, this is it's a kind of a theological joke. I've heard people say, wouldn't it be cool if God would take everything that's important and write it all down for us, that we could have access to it, and we know what we're supposed to do and what he wants us to do and who he is and who we are, I'm like, that's just the Bible, folks. It's like, well, it's old, and it's like, well, so are we, some of us anyway. I'm only 33, as we found out from the, from the children's sermon. So I'm 58. I don't, I'm, it's fine, you know. Um, not 59 yet, by golly. Uh, but, but you think about that. This is all things new. That's what the, the idea, and this is all put in, in, the heavenly handwriting, as we say, and it comes to us, you know, get into this stuff. We, 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 we poo-poo Revelation because it's hard. Well, don't, if you don't want to read 4 through 19, don't. But read 20, 21, 22, and 1, 2, and 3. They're really good. 4 through 19, we argue. I think I should do a sermon series on 4 through 19, and the only thing we're going to talk about is what it says about Jesus. If anybody says, well, what time? No time. Not doing it. What sequence? Don't care. All we're worried about is Jesus. We might try that. How many weeks do you think that would be? I don't know. We'll see. In Isaiah, nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be glorious places. Talking about the new heaven and the new earth, it's actually pretty cool. And Isaiah 60, it's, you know, no longer will you need the sun to shine by day nor the moon to give its light by night. So there won't even be daylight savings time. Or you won't have to fall back or spring ahead. <laughs> For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Sun will never set, the moon will not go down. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. This is all promised. We get pinpricks to that. In, in our own lives. But when you go, to, how does it all go? If you go to Luke 4, this is kind of a interesting. It gives us that kind of two comings if you read it closely. This is Jesus coming to his hometown. Doesn't end up working out great for him. Um, he comes to Nazareth where he's been brought up, and it was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So just if you were wondering, should you go to church? It's like, well, Jesus did. So WWJD, there you go. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So Jesus is given the sermon for the day, uh, and he's going to read this. It actually, 
So, and he reads this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And now we're ready for the sermon. And I know you're going to get mad at me because you're going to say, you know what, yours is a lot longer than his. But the, on the, the one on the mount took longer. Um, <laughs> and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. That's a short sermon. Well, what was he saying? I'm the one. The Spirit is, I'm the one that Isaiah prophesied about. But if you go to Isaiah, which he talks about the day of the vengeance of God will come. He leaves that part out. Now, we know here at Grace Church, we never read a Bible verse, meaning we don't want to take a verse out of context. Was Jesus violating the Gracie Free Church rule? <laughs> no. <laughs> what was he doing? Well, you, get, you know, he comes the first time to release the captives. He comes the first time for grace. When he comes the second time, it's for judgment. And so what does it mean for us as disciples? You know, we talked about... It's really cool when you think about it. All of you come up to take this, you believe. You don't have to worry about the judgment. It's really cool. More cool than we, we know. Because you guys have a chart. And charts are cool. Current heaven is God's home, right? We, we talked about that on your chart. I've got two charts here because this is actually 2.0 and this is 2.1, which I need to put in there for you. Um, if you didn't get one, get one on the way out. This, I did this, and so obviously it's good. And then the, <laughs> and I was a math, it just, it helps me. It was, it, this is really what happened. I said, I want to chart this out. And this is where you're, this is this 22-week sermon series. It's just, what are we talking about? But I hope, I thought, well, why don't we just put it out there? You know, you get, if you don't like it, then don't. It is cool. It's very it's red, white, and blue. It's really patriotic, too. But I'd made one change here because I thought, because somebody told me this on a, in a Bible study, so thank you, Gary. Um, in 2.0, it says the final heaven and earth was just the final place for it. I changed that to final heaven equals final earth. Nice equation. They're the same. Because remember, what is heaven? Heaven is where God is. Well, God will dwell with, with people. So in the, in the, it's the new heaven and the new earth. They're the same thing. And we see that. The new and final heaven is the new and final earth. Both God and our final home. And in, in Revelation 21, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. So that is kind of back to Eden. We don't have that now. I, and again, it's hard to kind of imagine that, isn't it? But a little bit back to the, what Jesus said at the Lord's Supper, I will not eat again of the fruit of the vine until I eat with you in the kingdom of God. I assume he's going to have a really, really long calendar of people coming to eat with him. But we, we get to do that, be with him. But if you look at it, there's no longer going to be a curse well, what's the curse? We talked about that if you believe that the Jesus' righteousness comes to you and your sins go away. It's that great exchange as we talked about. That blamelessness, that idea. So the curse of spiritual death is gone. 
it's a reversal of what happens in Genesis 3, which we can turn to now. These are the curses that he's talking about. They're no longer a curse. And we miss this sometimes because we turn Genesis into a comic book and then wonder why we don't understand it. Um, Genesis 3 is it's poetic. It's real. I mean, we really believe there's a deceiver. We really believe there's a God. We really believe there's a garden. We really believe there's an Adam. We really believe there's an e and Eve, and I really think there's something they're eating. But don't get too wooden with this stuff. I really think it's a dragon. And I'm just kind of kidding there. But, but you think about this. The idea of the curses, the Lord says to the serpent, and what does he say? Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. You've got to remember in Hebrew there's like 300 words total. Root words. Dust, earth, soil, ground, world, all the same word. Satan is going to be on the earth. We get that everywhere. He was a, it appears that he was some sort of glorious angel, and because of his deception, he gets, he no longer has access to heaven. Curse. You're gone. You're judged. Find out in Revelation what happens to him. It's on your chart. Good thing you have these charts. He gets to go to the lake of fire. And it says in Revelation 20, that was prepared for the devil and his angels. And people who follow him instead of Jesus get to go there also. So that's really what that's talking about. I don't think the main thing is that some sort of green reptile came out of a tree and now it goes on the ground. I mean, those aren't that big a deal. You find ones in the back garden, you just put your head like that, you grab the head and you just go. <laughs> Not so with anaconda. <laughs> But then you got another curse with the women. And we do this, and I'm looking at women, and, and you know, I know a lot of women here have had kids, and um, I, I, I hear, <laughs> I was that back when, when Lynn, when we had ours, it was, uh, I don't know what nitwit decided that the man should be in there. Uh, <laughs> but we were. <laughs> you remember that. Um, I'm just glad I was in there, because who else would? Use the camera, you know. <laughs> but the, I, I, it's, not, it's painful. But I don't think that's what this is talking about. I'll read it. I will put enmity between you and the woman. You, the, the, the knockish. It's the, the, the dragony, serpenty thing. And between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And your desire shall be contrary to your husband. He shall rule over you. Ah. Pain and shot. So is this talking about is going to hurt more? I don't know. I mean, I'm, please don't think I'm not saying it's, it's pleasant. That's not the point. But think about it. If, the, if they wouldn't have disobeyed, they would have had kids that were not fallen. And no matter how good your kids are, we all fall short of the glory of God, and that's painful. I think that's what it's talking about. So if you want an epidural, take it. Um, 
again, we're missing it a, a little bit. And then eventually you get, and Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I command, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Ground, earth, dust, soil, all those things. And you can just do a beeline right to Romans 8. Creation groans for the redemption. This is talking about we're in a fallen world. I see farmers around here. I'm assuming you had a pretty good crop. I don't know. You can tell me later. I'm not going to try to tell you how many bushels per acre cuz because I can't remember what's good and what's bad. Because when I used to work on farms, the, the rows were much farther apart, and I don't think the hybrids were near as good. So what I thought was good is probably bad now. So you, you do get fruit, but th it's, that's not the point. It's the point that, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, bad weather, good weather, droughts, floods, all those things come on the earth because it's cursed. And Jesus comes to reverse the curse. God did not relinquish his plan. You've got that back. It's called the Proto-Evangel. It's 315. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And Paul uses that to say that's Jesus. And if you remember the Mel Gibson uh, uh, crucifixion movie, uh, The Passion, when Jesus, at the very beginning, he's... Uh, Talk, praying in Aramaic, which is really cool. And, and uh, Satan's in the corner, and he kind of opens his cloak, and out comes this knockish. <laughs> it's a great, and Jesus is praying, you know, and it's blood, and, the, and, and he stands up, and, the, the, and he comes over and stamps on that snake. This is, comes from here. It, 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 I don't know, it's not in Gethsemane that way in the Bible, but I, I thought it was really well done. Um, and this is what Jesus, what Yahweh does after this. You know, you get it in Genesis 22. And in your offspring, Abraham, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And then you go to Genesis 49. The scepter will not depart from Judah, from Abraham to Judah. And then eventually in 2 Samuel, when your days are fulfilled, David, and you lie down, I will raise up an offspring after you, David. And we'll talk about that, you know, son of David. This was the plan from all along. This was the plan to undo the curse. He promises restoration through Christ that when all things are under his authority, we're not quite there yet. Jesus Christ is the king. We've, we've sung about that. He's the, the victory's been won at the cross. Actually, it's the opposite of what I said. Jesus is one and oh. He's undefeated. Satan lost. He lost at the cross. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. He is the king. You're part of a kingdom, and who is your king? It's always got to be Jesus. That's what he wants. Revelation 19, on his robe and thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, and lots of good songs have been set, sung about that. It's over and over. And so what does Jesus do on the cross? In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them by publicly by his victory over them on the cross. It's just so cool the way this is. You know, the more you study this, the more you understand it, you're like, this is really cool stuff. The cross is the perfect victory. God did it exactly the way it should have been done. That's why when you take communion, you think about the cross, it hits you in a, a way nothing else could. It's because that's what God wanted. So God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood, 
For only as a human could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who has the power over death. Death no longer has power over us because we get to return to him. This is what we call the already not yet theology. Jesus has already disarmed the rulers. The victory has been won. You can be assured of salvation. You can be assured of living with him forever. But we have not yet seen the new heaven and the new earth. And I can look around and I can go on walks and runs and all that kind of stuff and see that I'm not quite as fast as I was a few years ago. I'm still pretty fast. But, <laughs> but one basketball game and I'm ready for three or four weeks of ice. Um, it wasn't that way long ago. We're in a fallen world. He has defeated Satan and death. That's what the Bible teaches, but he has not yet vanquished his enemies. We're not here yet. It hasn't been created, but it has been promised. Uh, that's what the new heaven and the new earth is for. So he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his footstool. Uh, and that's what he's going to do. He's going to eventually completely vanquish. And, I, you know, we've talked about that last week. No sin in final heaven. We've never experienced that. I think that's going to be nice. That's a kind of an understatement. but The curse is still real on current earth, but it's temporary. When Jesus returns a second time, there no longer will be any curse. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and His servants will worship Him and they will see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Let's read this stuff, folks. This is good stuff. This should make every day better for you. That this world and all its problems is not the final word. So through the cross and resurrection of Jesus, God made a way to restore, restore his original design. That's what it's always been doing. And you can say, well, why does he wait so long? I don't know. I'm just going to guess he figures it out better than I do. But with resurrected bodies, all trulers, true followers of Jesus, again, going to dwell on the very earth we're on, but it's going to be a redeemed earth with no sin and no evil and culture and society completely transformed. That's what we look forward to. And we try to do some of that in the church, right? And we'll finish with Isaiah 25. There, will, there he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. Let us read it. Let us know it and give, get the hope that it gives us and let us pray. Father, we know there are much, uh, much in here about the new heaven, the new earth, much of what you've done through your son. Uh, you haven't given up on us. You haven't given up on your creation. You haven't given up at all because you have the sovereign power. We thank you for that. May each one of us maybe even have one foot in heaven as we think about it, knowing that that's where we're going to be. May it change the way we live. May you give us hope for the every day. May we just always give thanks for what you've done for us and grab onto it, the promises that you give by the power of your Son and through the power of your Spirit, we pray. Amen.